views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. to this broadcast of New Abolitionist Radio on this date, August the 14th, 2019. It's just one minute after 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time as we broadcast exclusively from the Black Talk Radio Network. You can also hear us over the TuneIn app for your phone. Just pull up the station, Black Talk Radio Network, make it one of your favorites. And you can also tune in uh, via TuneIn, as I just stated. All right, so we do have a guest tonight, but our main topic tonight is the systemic issues within the prison slavery industrial complex here in the United States, something that we uh, focus on quite frequently on this broadcast throughout the years, uh, bringing on guests, um, relaying information to you related to stories of the inhumane conditions that exist in these prisons. Not only the inhumane conditions, but as well as the inhumane individuals who work in these positions. It actually uh, caused me um, to do a little bit more research as it just seems like it's an epidemic of understaffing at these various prisons and jails, including private prisons, detention facilities. And it's been that way for quite some time. And I wanted to look a little bit more into that as to find out why. And I, that is something that we'll get into. But this Jeffrey Epstein, what I'm calling an apparent murder with this new information that's starting to come out. But his murder, his apparent murder, let me say that, meaning that it looks like he was murdered, but we don't, we can't say that conclusively. We can't state that as a fact. It just looks like a murder. That's what the word apparent means. So when these outlets were in a rush to um, make headlines talking about Jeffrey Epstein's apparent suicide. That's all they were really saying was that officials have told us that this is an apparent suicide. It looks like a suicide, but we don't know for sure. And just, it has really um, just reinforced in many minds of how unprofessional these news outlets are in these quote unquote journalists are today that they would 
push out this preconceived narrative and the only information they had was from the prison administrators who were responsible for keeping not only Jeffrey Epstein safe and alive, but all the prisoners in their care, in their charge, so to speak. And we're now connected to the Jeffrey Epstein case or hearing now that um, the guards were overworked and they did a whole lot of uh, overtime related to prison staffing shortages and now we hear him report today that instead of checking on Jeffrey Epstein and the other prisoners uh, making their rounds of, of whatever um, cell block that they were assigned to, instead of doing that, they were asleep on the job. Which I kind of assumed that anyway when, when I heard that these excuses of overtime and understaffing uh, started coming out, connected to these stories that were pushing an apparent uh, suicide. So this is something that occurs all across this country. And I make no bones about taking advantage of Jeffrey Epstein's apparent murder to bring further attention to this system, this system of, of slavery. We might as well, well, the 13th Amendment calls it slavery, but the treatment of the prisoners. Some might argue that actual victims of slavery during their enslavement were viewed as property by those who were enslaving them and, and did not right brutalize them and, and, you know, unless they were trying to instill fear into runaways and, and things of that nature. But generally that wasn't, they looked at their human property as, as a commodity in, in an investment. They just simply weren't going to damage their investment with no cause. Well, it's worse in a prison system while the profit uh, does it or is derived from human flesh, uh, human bodies occupying a cell well, they fill, they can fill those cells up so fast that really the human being's uh, life, the individual, doesn't really matter to these people because they can easily be replaced. All we need is somebody in this cell and we're going to get paid. So, you know, it, it's just uh, unfortunate that the attention is being put on the system and particularly this federal facility known as the MCC because of a high-profile prisoner's death. The Metropolitan Correctional Center, I believe it's in Manhattan, but in New York City, has been the subject of hunger strike, strikes as recently as January of this year, where prisoners were going on hunger strike to protest inhumane conditions and visitation rights of family members being suspended. And, and if you look at some of those stories, the administration officials were citing a lack of staffing. Okay. And so, like I said, this is a major problem, um, not to use it as an excuse for the things that go on, but understaffing at prisons, jails, and detention facilities have been a problem for quite some time. And most of it, you can guess, is connected to the low pay. And being forced to work in the same inhumane conditioners conditions that the prisoners are experiencing. So it's just logical to me to assume that the prison slavery profiteers want to maximize their profits at the expense of both prisoners and the employees. Now, took a deeper delve into this, and you would think, okay, 
why the U.S. and government and the federal government, obviously, and state governments combined are spending roughly over $180 billion a year on incarceration. Now, that's according to a 2017 report from the Equal Justice Initiative. So what's the problem with the low pay? Where is all of this money that's being allocated towards people's incarceration really going? Um, none of the former officers I ever talked to um, have stated that they had, you know, great compensation packages and retirement packages and 401k things. Uh, from what I've been reading, you know, it, it's pretty much low pay and dangerous circumstances and situations. And so it's no, it, it should be no um, surprise that if you have, have low pay, in a job like that, if you're offering low pay in a job like that, not too many people is going to be attracted to that position. And some of those, not all of them, but some of those attracted to that position may not be the best type of people that you would want to employ in that position because you're offering low pay. And more qualified people uh, uh, who would be more apt to be more humane uh, and treat these prisoners like the human beings they are with the constitutional rights that they have, um, you don't get those people because, again, you, you don't have an attractive compensation package. And then, again, the conditions are, are such as nobody wants to be in those conditions, guard or prisoner. So um, later on, we're going to connect that to the Justice Department because, of course, the Justice Department, the DOJ, and U.S. Attorney the uh, Bill Barr, Attorney General Bill Barr, have said they will get to the bottom of what happened at the MCC concerning Epstein's demise, yet I don't expect, and you shouldn't expect, that the conditions will be improved or they're going to address in any meaningful way um, the conditions that exist at the MCC. Again, this this has been a target, this facility has been a target over the years of numerous protests and demonstrations and, and possibly thousands of complaints, if not just hundreds of complaints of conditions at this federal uh, facility. Now, here's the reason why I don't think U.S. Attorney General Bill Barr cares, because he has been one of those mass incarceration uh, warriors and just want to lock people up and throw away the key that, that has pretty much been his rhetoric uh, concerning his issue uh, concerning cr criminal justice. Um, but the Justice Department actually investigated the Alabama prison system, and it, which led them to conclude in an April 2019, excuse me, April 2019 report where they issued a press release that the entire Alabama penal system constituted a U.S. Constitution Eighth Amendment violation. Now, the Eighth Amendment pertains to the infliction of cruel and unusual punishment. Uh, now, the U.S. Justice Department Bill Barr, despite this report coming out in April and declaring that, that, that uh, Alabama penal system was inflicting cruel and unusual punishment upon um, those it was charged to to um, take care of, basically, uh, and charged with their, you know, care and control, and they've taken no legal action. 
to the point that we got people um, involved with the Free Alabama Movement, which is activist prisoners in that state um, who we've been acquainted with for years and family members of Alabama prisoners um, trying to pull together a demonstration in Washington, D.C. at DOJ headquarters because of the inaction despite this report. So that's what's up uh, today. Um, we should be joined on the line already by a former guest. He's been a guest once before, not that long ago, maybe, you know, three, four weeks ago, but a former California prison guard. He's a whistleblower, U.S. veteran, and an author, Donald J. Vodica. We're going to talk to him about the Epstein case and, and the security conditions or lack thereof of prisoners across the United States. Um, in, in jails and prisons and not just Epstein. Epstein's getting a lot of attention. People are, oh, how could you let this happen to such a high profile uh, prisoner? How can you let it happen to anyone? How can you let it? And again, I'm, I'm using the language apparent murder based off of information that is trickling out. CBS uh, it has issued a report yesterday saying that a source close to an investigation said shouting and, and screaming was heard coming from Epstein's cell. And again, the reaction, how could you let this happen to a high-profile prisoner? Well, uh, high-profile or not, how could you let this happen? And in fact, this is par for the course all across the United States. And that's a problem. And U.S. society in general... Uh, isn't really treating this problem with the urgency that it deserves. So uh, if we got, um, I like to call him DJ, if we got DJ on the line, hit the star key twice. Um, I don't uh, remember your phone number, but that will unmute you and let me know uh, that you are on the line. I, okay, I think we have DJ un unmuting. Welcome back to New Abolitionist hey. Radio. How are you tonight, sir? Good, Scotty. How you doing? I'm doing the best I can trying to, um, you know, just stay busy and bring proper information uh, to our listening audience and, and the readers of our blog on Black Talk Radio Network. What you been up to uh, since we last spoke? Dealing with the heat. <laughs> Dealing with the heat, aren't we all? Dealing with the heat out here in Arizona, 115 degrees today. Wow. You know, Europe has right, been right. seeing a little bit of humidity. A little bit, just a little bit. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been following the Epstein case. I've been following that, and really, uh, really, uh, truly amazing what happened. Yeah, it is truly amazing from the standpoint from a person who don't know better, and given the high nature, high profile nature of not only Epstein himself, but the case and the possible people uh, connected who might be involved in his activities. And we've heard some big names mentioned as being in his uh, orbit, if you will. Um, so yes, sir. very interesting case. And you would think that he would be secure, but you would be wrong um, if you are a casual observer of how the prison system and jail system is run in the United States. So, um, DJ, you know, off the bat, the mainstream media, um, and I would say the preponderance of the mainstream articles that I were reading were running with the MCC administration's initial narrative that this was a quote-unquote apparent suicide. Um, that's all the information they had, 
and the mainstream media ran with that. Um, did you accept that this was a suicide just based off of what the administration had said? Um, the only thing is, is Scotty, is, is they're going to really prove this is a suicide when the autopsy results come back from the, uh, the pathologist. You know that they're going to re- they're going to prove right there if it was a suicide or a, it could have been murder, a homicide. You, you never know until the to the to the uh, autopsy results actually came back. Because there's a lot of glitches in this thing. Because if Epstein was in a, a cell by himself, in order to open that cell door, the control booth officer has to open that cell door. Mm-hmm. You know, and, 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 and if he opened that door, you know, and let other inmates go in and rush him or, you know, kill him and then set it up to look like a suicide, you know, then somebody's head's on the block. But the thing is, is we we're gonna have to wait till the autopsy report comes back to make that determination. If if it was a suicide or it was a homicide. Well, DJ, based off of what I've been hearing and the research I've been doing, um, even then we may not know for sure. We may never know. And the reason I say that is because the coroner, who I feel like unprofessionally has been speaking to the media, even using words like presumed suicide, that's a presumption. You should be sure. You shouldn't be presuming anything. You should conclude your autopsy, come up with your your you know findings, and then speak to the media about what you found. Now, what I'm hearing uh, is absolutely, I agree with you 100 percent on that. He shouldn't even be even speaking to the media until he has his results. You know, he, he just he shouldn't even be doing that. So what the official what the official coroner is saying is is right now. The uh, report is inconclusive, but we presume that it was a suicide. Um, but I, they saying that they cannot conclude the autopsy because information from law enforcement is lacking. Now, what information they're lacking to close this, I don't know, and I can only speculate. Well, the, well, the information is on the reports gathered. It, it, it's going to take weeks or even months for the results to come back because when I was a correctional officer in California in a prison. I was an investigator, and I was a crime scene uh, evidence officer. And uh, we had several suicides in our in our uh, in our housing units, but we we couldn't rule on it until after the uh, mm-hmm. autopsy report came back from the pathologist. And then it goes to the district attorney's office to make their their ruling. Um, they're just being too too quick to to, to rule on something. What and you know the other the other thing is too. I was going to let you know is is what what psychologist what psychologist or medical person allowed him off a of suicide watch the first time three weeks ago? You know, I, I don't see I don't foresee the the correctional correctional staff did anything wrong. Yeah, they they're overworked and they're tired and all that. But it, the blame really has to come on the medical staff because they're the ones that released him off a of suicide watch. Now, what I heard today from um, Epstein's attorneys is that. He was in a good mood. They even called him delusional, another source close to the case, because he thought he could beat these charges. He even thought that he might win um, the motion to have the charges dismissed, uh, claiming double jeopardy. He also was hopeful that on appeal he was going to be granted a a bail. And so people, um, uh, sources are saying to the media that he was pretty energetic and hopeful that he might win, win 
his freedom. Not talking like, you know, a person who was down in the dumps and depressed and and saw no way except, you know, to kill themselves out of fear for being, you know, possibly incarcerated for the rest of their life. Now, another inmate, and again, these are unnamed sources, but they are being reported in some mainstream articles like uh, the Daily Mail came out with a report of a, a prisoner, a source uh, close to an investigation saying that Epstein had told guards and other inmates that someone was trying to kill him, okay? And also, the the, uh, attorney said today that um, the uh, first event, which was described as an attempted suicide, wasn't a suicide at all, but that he had been assaulted by this this, uh, cop, this former cop who was in there for four drug murders and facing the death penalty um, in his trial. And they're saying, I mean, this came out in a report today um, that they accused him of harming uh, Jeffrey Epstein in the beginning. Now, you know, again, we weren't there. We don't know all the details and we can only try to logically, you know, deduce what may have happened based on your experience, based on the reports. But I, I just can't say that this is an open and shut, you know, case no, of, I can't, of, of I can't, suicide. I can't, say it's open and sh- I can't say it's open and shut either because, first of all, with his high notary of who he is, he should have been single celled. He shouldn't have had a, a cellmate mm-hmm. in there, especially how fresh it is in, mm-hmm. in the uh, in his uh, uh, suspected charges of uh, pedophile and and child molestation. They don't they don't use you house people with that, you know. Especially in the California system, they're usually housed uh, by themselves, single cell for their and, safety, and, and, right? And, oh, absolutely for their safety, especially with this type of guy. That's that's. So I mean, he's a billionaire. He's well known. He's well known all over the world, and his he, he should have been single celled housed by himself. And, and and you know what? I think they should have moved him somewhere else. Get him out of the state of New York. Then they could have done that. They could have got him to somewhere like a different prison somewhere in the United States. They could have put him at the supermax in Colorado. You know, why waiting trial. trial? Right, right. Now, one of the things that you mentioned, um, you know, kind of peaked my interest in that, like, I agree with with you saying that he shouldn't even had a cell and should a cellmate and should have been in a single cell because again, according to the attorneys, his former cellmate was a muscle bound uh, cop, former cop who was accused of a quadruple murder. And they're saying that this man assaulted Jeffrey and hence why it wasn't really a suicide and why they requested, the attorneys requested that he be uh, let out off of suicide watch because it wasn't really a suicide. Now, uh, um, according to them, and now I also found that that incident is, well, it's probably closed now. It could be ongoing, but that first event was being investigated as a possible attempted suicide as well as a possible assault because the first reports came out. He wasn't found hanging. He was just found on the floor, semi-conscious with with uh, marks on his necks. As an investigator, um, a former investigator in a situation like that, would that immediately speak suicide attempt to you? No, uh, definitely assault, uh, attempted murder on, on another on an inmate. And you know the thing is, is if this guy was in a cell. Uh, from what I understand too, this this law enforcement officer left his cell uh, twenty four hours prior to his. Uh, his death. When did when did this actually uh, 
this individual actually believes uh, he got supposedly transported out somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So did he did he did he kill him before he left or or you know I mean I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of guards and prison guards and prison staff out there that um, do not like child molesters or pedophiles or like that. And, and a lot of them they don't care. You know they don't care on what happens to them. You know and they have that mentality. Um, I, when I was a crack officer, there was a lot of officers like that. And, you know I mean. Like I said, they have to do a thorough investigation on the uh, and find out a conclusion on the autopsy report to really rule it a homicide or a suicide. If it's a homicide, oh, all heads are going to start spinning. You know, you mentioned earlier, you know, not only should he been in a single cell, but why was his cell door open? You know, it it, it sounds like his cell door was open. I, I don't understand Correct. that because if it was closed and he had his former cellmate removed, assuming he didn't have another cellmate, how, why, you know, would it be standard procedure for, you know, it to be an open cell? Um, you oh, know, his cell, his cell door, his cell door should be locked 24 seven. And the only time he should come out of his cell is when prison guards come up and, and cuff him up and, and escort him out in restraints. He shouldn't be able to freely walk the, uh, the area and, and when he comes out there should be nobody out on the day room floor or anything he should be single single celled and escorted by himself mm. so mm. yeah they got a lot of answers to do well, hey, but, hey scotty i gotta get i gotta get going because I, I just pulled into the driveway and it's been a long day but okay anytime I, I can help you I, I love to help you okay well i i appreciate it but before you go just one last question if i may how how systemic would you say this is across the United States in terms of understaffing and, and possible incompetence? In, in your p- professional opinion, how widespread would you say this this uh, uh, it's, 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 uh There's always, uh, you know, a lot of correctional officers, especially in the state, they make good money. The federal the federal uh, prison guards, they don't make very good money. They, they, they're real low, low and underpaid. And they work a lot of hours if they're understaffed. They got to stay and work that extra eight hours. They have to work, you know, so many hours, and, it, and it's exhausting. It's really exhausting, and uh, they really, they really need to take a look at that and 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 and, and make sure their pay is comparable to other state agencies. Mm-hmm. All right, DJ Vodka, check out um, his book, The Green Wall: The Story of a Brave Prison Guard's Fight Against Corruption Inside the United States' Largest Prison System. Of course, that's California. And DJ, thank you for uh, devoting some time to to helping us, you know, try to understand this story. You have a good no evening. problem, Scotty. I, I can't wait till the autopsy report comes out. All right, DJ, you take care of yourself. You too, buddy. Bye bye. Bye. All right, that was DJ Vodka again, a uh, former prison guard whistleblower. In the state of California, U.S. veteran and and also author, um, we have linked to his book in the program description. So if you check out the podcast later, it's found there. Um, you know, and you'll be able to purchase the book. It came out in 2009. Now, as I was stating earlier, you know, the federal jail known as the Metropolitan Correctional Center where Epstein was being held was the subject of hunger strikes as recent as January. This year, now let me just pull up that article. You know, Tag, um, who is one of our Black Talk Media Project uh, student volunteers in the area um, in NYC, and because of him, I 
kind of have a window into different grassroots uh, things that are going on in the city. And TAG has brought to our uh, collective audience attention, you know, all of these problems in the different protests and the activists uh, protesting and trying to get something done about the MCC. So this is an article that comes to you from Patch.com. Prisoners at Manhattan's largest federal jail complex are going on a hunger strike after being denied family visitation rights as a result of the federal government shutdown, according to reports. Staffing shortages at the uh, MCC, located in lower Manhattan within a cluster of city, state, and federal buildings and courthouses, have forced the jail to cancel family visitation for the complex's roughly 800 prisoners for two straight weeks. Now, I've, I heard actually from Bob, Bill Barr, sometimes I call him Bob Barr, but U.S. Attorney General Bill Barr, that only 200 or so, less than 300 prisoners are there. But of course, he's probably citing what it was built to hold. Okay, because we often see overcrowded conditions throughout prisons and jails across the country. So this article is saying that it's talking about the complex is roughly 800 prisoners who hadn't had family visitation in two straight weeks. Um, the New York Times was the first to report on that. And on uh, the prisoners responded to this by beginning a hunger uh, strike. The lawyer representing one of the striking prisoners told the Times they have already refused a meal. I believe they refused breakfast and lunch. The lawyer, a federal public defender named Sarah Baumgartel, told the Times that the strike may just be confined to one of the jail's units and that her client got involved because of the importance of everyone having their visits. Now, while this particular article does not mention uh, inhumane conditions like filth and roaches or rats or or anything uh, uh, of the nature, I have heard reports from people who were housed in the, in this particular facility who, who said, like, you go to bed. One of them described it saying, man, you go to sleep and then you got roaches in, trying to crawl in every orifice. Not to sound gross or anything, but that's what what he said. And again, this is all across the United States. You know, as I mentioned, uh, the Free Alabama Movement and the state of Alabama prisons earlier in this broadcast, um, you know, I've been seeing videos uh, that's being uh, shot inside the prison and then leaked outside of the prison where they're dealing with mold. They're dealing with uh, the latest video that came out um, you have an uh, inmate in a segregating housing unit, that's solitary confinement, using a roll of toilet paper to show you that the exhaust system don't work and the AC system don't work. The air control unit does. No air comes out, period. And then also the little trickle of water that he had access to. So these are abhorrent conditions that human beings should not be housed in. And then you wonder why some people go in there and then come out worse than when they went in there, you know, uh, because of how they're treated, um, especially if you're in there long term, especially if you spend long term, um, you know, in solitary confinement, that creates mental illnesses that then will go untreated. Okay. 
So this is a problem, and it's just a shame that on, that some outlets are only focused on these conditions, the lack of security, prisoners being killed, prisoners committing suicide because they don't get the help that they need and they're not being properly monitored. You know, this, this is a crisis, and it's a shame that some outlets are only focusing on it because of Jeffrey Epstein, a high-profile wealthy white male got killed apparently allegedly that's what again i'm going off the evidence i'm gonna say an apparent homicide they can say apparent suicide i'm gonna stick with apparent homicide why do i say that again as i mentioned before um you got an inmate telling somebody a source telling someone at the daily mail a uk-based outlet that Jeffrey Epstein had told uh, prisoners and guards that someone was trying to kill him. Um, his attorney saying that the first episode or incident was not an attempted suicide, but an assault. And they named um, the alleged perpetrator, this former cop who was in there facing on a death penalty case for uh, assassinating four alleged drug dealers. So I'm just going to assume this now. Also, I'm hearing unconfirmed reports that perhaps Jeffrey Epstein was found with a bed sheet around his neck. Okay, well, a prisoner who had been inside, and again, this is unconfirmed. They didn't get a person's name, but I'm just sharing all the information with you. But I heard that the the material that the sheets, so-called bed sheets are made of, are made of paper to prevent sheets being, you know, uh, uh, used in such a manner to strangle oneself. Um, you know, it's being reported that he was found with a bed sheet around his neck uh, affixed to the end of the bed. I'm assume it's bunk beds or how else would the structure or the bed frame be that high? But he was found like that. Um, it's, it's an unconfirmed report. So, again, it's just too many reports that's in conflict with the prison administrator's official narrative that this was a suicide. You know, I read about a case where a prisoner was strangled by two other prisoners, which would, of course, result in a, a, a asphyxiation. You know, um, if you want to be technical in a term you might find on a coroner's report or autopsy, report asphyxiation. So they asphyxiated this guy by strangling him and then propped up his body um, to make it look like he had hung himself. Um, you know, and I have written about this, so you can check out the article I wrote under BTR News uh, on blacktalkradionetwork.com. There was another investigator, and I appreciate, you know, DJ Vodica, who had that experience as a prison investigator, um, saying, you know, it's just too early to be making determinations. Too many unknowns. The investigation's still ongoing. The autopsy hasn't even uh, been released. And and so I appreciate him saying that. But um, as I noted in the article that I wrote, I'll give you the name of that article uh, here in just a moment. Shouts and screams heard coming from Jeffrey Epstein's cell suggesting apparent murder. Um, this investigator said one of the first rules of investigating a homicide is don't assume it's a suicide. Don't believe initial reports. 
that it's a suicide. But that's what the mainstream media, the bulk of them, just ran with these suicide stories. Again, with no evidence other than the people responsible for the health and well-being of Jeffrey Epstein saying it was a apparent suicide. So again, too many questions, too many unknown questions, and I'm not buying this, and this is just an example of systemic problems that happen um, within the prison slavery system within the United States. Now, again, let's just go with some of the things they're bringing up. They're talking about a lack of staffing and, and, and what have you. Now, um, you know, DJ said that state state correction officers get paid pretty good but uh i you know i would have to disagree with dj on that because i looked up the average rate of pay for a correctional officer in north carolina where i live uh which is a state that's also saying it has shortages is that the average pay was a little over 30,000 a year so entry level, that might be, you know, even less than 30000 a year. That could be like 25000 That could be $26,000. Um, but I, I guess the top pay or the average pay was like $36,000 a year. That's not good money. That's not a good salary. I mean, it may be if you're used to making $20,000 most of your life, you know, living in poverty level, but depending upon that individual's uh, size of their family, that $36,000 a year is poverty wages for a family of four, I presume, okay? Or it's not just, you know, it's just above poverty level. Um, so uh, I looked at a 2017 report. They want to say these prisoners are overworked. We had to, I mean, excuse me, not the prisoners, but the prison guards are overworked and understaffed. And uh, uh, they have to work a lot of overtime, mandatory overtime as a result. Well, it, it should seem to me that they should be able to pay uh, people more than $36,000 a year considering combined all the states within the United States, including the federal government expenditures, are $182 billion every year. In a new report, the policy, um, again, this is from 2017, it could be higher. In fact, I would say it's higher because of immigration detention and Donald Trump's policy. In a new report, the Prison Policy Initiative found that mass incarceration cost state and federal governments and American families $100 billion more each year than previously thought. See, they thought before it was just $82 billion a year, but a new study said, oh, you need to tack on $100 billion more to that. According to the Bureau of Justice Statistics, the annual cost of mass incarceration in the United States is $81 billion. But that figure addresses only the cost of operating prisons, jails, parole, and probation, leaving out policing and court costs and costs paid by families to support incarcerated loved ones. The new report following the money of mass incarceration took a deeper look into the money in mass incarceration and its findings reveal that private prisons are not the only ones financially invested in keeping millions of people incarcerated in this country. For example, almost half of the money spent on running the correctional system goes to paying staff. 
who formed an influential lobby against criminal justice reform. Now, that's just wrong there. Why would correction officers uh, lobby to keep people or lobby against reform? They complaining about being overworked and underpaid and understaffed and, and what have you. That, that just doesn't seem like something a union um, would get involved in to lobby uh, the U.S. government. Okay, uh, But it makes sense if they themselves have, have um, investments in private prison stock or in any of these companies that are uh, contracted to service the prison population, jail population, just the incarcerated incarcerated nation who need food, who need toiletries, who, who need all sorts of things, including medical care. And often, you know, uh, this is inadequate, the services that are provided to them because of these for-profit companies cutting corners to increase their bottom line. Um, so, Less money is definitely going into the prison slavery industrial uh, complex. A lot of it's going to these contractors who who uh, also, you know, run these canteens and what have you in the prison. I remember speaking to a parent of a prisoner in Mississippi who was saying that prisoners have to buy their own fans. I believe that's in Mississippi um, because the uh, air conditioner is out and, you know, we're having a heat wave and it's just stifling inside those uh, uh, facilities, inside those cells. And so prisoners are allowed to purchase their own fan, which only blows, again, circulates hot air. Prisoners shouldn't have to buy their own fans. Money should be invested in fixing the AC system. So, as I was stating earlier, as we get ready to wrap up, wrap up this broadcast, and if, by the way, you have a question or comment you'd like to get in, before we come to a conclusion, give us a call at 704-802-5056. That's 704-802-5056. Hit the star key twice. But, um, let me take a look at Give me just a moment as I pull up this information. Yeah, this April 2019 press release from the Department of Justice. So, you know, people should have no confidence in this investigation at the MCC. Um, What I heard is two guards were uh, claimed to have slept through their rounds and falsified the records, so they've been suspended, and I don't know if they've been outright fired. The prison warden or the jail warden has been transferred out. Um, I don't know if he got a demotion or or what have you, Um, but he certainly hasn't, or she, hasn't been fired. Um, So, you know, I just really have... No confidence in the DOJ, um, not just because of of it's Trump's DOJ, uh, but because of the history of the DOJ of ignoring gross violations of citizens' constitutional and civil rights. So this from April the 3rd, 2019, concerning Alabama prisons, the Department of Justice's Civil Rights Division and the U.S. Attorney Offices for the Northern, Middle, in southern districts of Alabama concluded that there is reasonable cause 
to believe that the conditions in Alabama prisons for men violate the Eighth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. The department concluded that there is reasonable cause to believe that the men's prisons fail to protect prisoners from prisoner-on-prisoner violence, as as being alleged by the attorneys of Jeffrey Epstein in the MCC, and prisoner-on-prisoner sexual abuse, which is also rape, and fail to provide prisoners with safe conditions. As required by the Civil Rights of Institutionalized Persons Act, CRIPA, I hadn't even known that such thing existed. Learn something new every day. The department provided Alabama written notices of the supporting facts for these alleged conditions and the minimum remedial measures necessary to address them. The uh, DOJ writes, the, or should I say, uh, the Assistant Attorney General Eric Dreban for the Civil Rights Division said, the Constitution guarantees all prisoners the right to be housed in safe conditions and not be subjected to violence and sexual abuse. Our investigation found reasonable cause to believe that Alabama fails to provide constitutionally adequate conditions and that prisoners experience serious harm, including deadly harm, as a result. The Justice Department hopes to work with Alabama to resolve the department's concerns. So the Eighth Amendment talks about the infliction of cruel and unusual punishment. See, when people are sentenced, even if a person has been sentenced, convicted of a rape, and sentenced to, let's say, 20 years in prison, that sentence doesn't include uh, rape by other inmates or rape by guards. As guards have been reported to participate in inappropriate sexual contact with prisoners, including rape, because a prisoner can't even consent. In that power dynamic, a prisoner, male or female, cannot consent to sex. Okay, so I have no confidence in the DOJ given its slow-footed uh, response to these gross violations of the uh, Eighth Amendment constitutional rights of all male prisoners in the state of Alabama. Um, and again, you know, here, MCC, that's a federal jail, um, but I have no confidence that the DOJ is going to get to the bottom of anything. It's likely going to be a cover-up. And I'm just going to be honest with you. We will probably never, ever know what really happened to Mr. Epstein. We can speculate. And there is such a thing as the preponderance of evidence that now is starting to point to an apparent murder. We have to acknowledge that because of the parties involved in investigating this, that we may never, ever know the truth of, of the matter. But we should also not just focus on this case, but this is a repeated, this case repeats itself all across the United States. What is society going to do about it? Or, or you know, as I saw an article that was published today saying the prison slavery system, you know, is pretty much rooted in slavery and inhumane treatment of victims of slavery. And it translates over to the inhumane treatment of prisoners. It was published in the New York Times by 
Um, I forget his name, but he runs the Equal Justice Initiative. Chris Stevenson, I believe, but I don't pay for New York Times articles nor Washington Post. I'm not giving them a dollar um, to read their reporting because their reporting is so spotty and in so many different areas. Not to, um, you know, uh, discredit anything written by Mr. Stevenson for the New York Times, but I'm speaking of the New York Times as a, a major publication in general and its history of, of you know, um, not being what I would call the standard of journalism in this country. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, again, you know, nothing is happening. And so I have been speaking to activists behind the scenes, um, you know, with the Free Alabama Movement and those uh, trying to organize uh, prisoners' family members to go to Washington, D.C. to a plan action at the Department of Justice, if possible, um, if not at another location close by, to, uh, you know, bring Attorney General Bill Barr and the entire Department of Justice to to the carpet, calling them to the carpet on the inaction in Alabama. So this is, I'm going to let you listen to an audio report from Swift Justice about this latest movement that is being organized uh, from behind the walls in Alabama as well as in the streets of Alabama and across the nation uh, via uh, national activists. This movement's not something that's new. And I want people that's part of this movement and that's joining this movement to understand this, that this is nothing new. 48 years ago, Attica, New York, 1971, there was an uprising there. And them brothers were giving out nearly identical, mirroring demands that we're giving out today. So 48 years later, we're still dealing with the same issues. We're still pushing the same movement that these brothers pushed 48 years ago. And three world brothers and sisters, three world warriors that were pushing a couple years later, like such as Sister Angela Davis and so many more, were pushing right behind the brothers in Attica in 71. But man, it cost a lot of lives. And why? Because nobody was listening. Society wasn't listening. The government wasn't listening. And right now, I believe it's a very practical moment to understand that today in Alabama, we on the inside continue to move in a non-violent motion. What do they want? Another attic uprising here in Alabama? Well, see, that's what we're trying to avoid, and that's something that we don't want. Therefore, it's imperative we move on the federal government come September. Man, we're pleading our cases as the brothers in Attica did in 1971. But today, however, we, we, we received the attention of the federal government, the Department of Justice. But what good is the attention and lip service from the federal government without action? Without action. Without action. So that was Swift Justice with Unheard Voices, also member of the Free Alabama Movement, activists organizing behind the walls for justice, for for humane treatment of human beings uh, within the Alabama 
prison system. So basically, like he said, you know, what good is this DOJ report if there's not going to be any action? What good is the Constitution if you're saying Alabama's blatantly violating the Constitution, but you are not going to take action against Alabama? And how would you take action? Would the federal government be forced to take over of the Alabama prison system? Well, certainly, if if the situation in Manhattan shows us anything, um, and in other federal facilities, that, that's not a solution because you will find the same unconstitutional violations if they are objectively investigated, um, these prisons and jails, whether they be federal or state prisons. So I, I, you know, just, I don't care what Epstein was charged with. Obviously, he was facing horrific allegations of sexual trafficking of young girls and women. And, and that's a heinous crime. But it was still just an allegation as he had not faced trial. He was in pretrial detention. And... He and his alleged victims deserve their day in court. And I'm just not buying the apparent suicide narrative. I'm not going to speculate on who killed him, although many powerful people had, had motive. But I also know as a reporter, someone who's covered um, the inside of the prison for a very, very long time, for years, that, you know, uh, lots of prison on prison violence happens as well especially uh, given the nature of his charges. I'm just really angry with the lack of professional reporting and the attempted gaslighting of those who question the, the narrative, who don't go along with the apparent suicide uh, narrative. All right. So just keep these brothers and sisters that are incarcerated on your mind Stay in tune with what's going on in your local jails and prisons. As I stated, I looked up North Carolina and they have a severe understaffing uh, issue due to low pay. And that's according to sources out of North Carolina. And so when you pay low, you attract people um, who are not the best candidates for these types of jobs and there's just a whole screening process that that should occur um they don't even want to invest money in, in giving these people empathy tests screening tests probably scrubbing their social media to see if they're white supremacists or any kind of person who deals in ideology that dehumanizes other uh, human beings okay just not a lot of money being spent on incarceration but a lot of money is being wasted as well. That money that's being spent isn't being spent smartly. All right. This has been Scotty Reed with a broadcast of New Abolitionist Radio, a program that focuses on 21st century slavery and human trafficking via the 13th Amendment, which says that slavery and involuntary servitude shall be abolished except as a punishment for crime where the party has been duly convicted. So that says to me, this slavery was never abolished. It was given, it was reformatted. And now it exists through the courts and in the jails and prisons across this nation. And just like many people were indifferent to the suffering 
of victims of slavery. Thus, many people are indifferent to the suffering of people who find themselves behind any bars in under the jurisdiction of the United States government. We'll be back next week with a live broadcast at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Y'all be safe out there. Peace and blessings to all. Land of the free, it lies the home of the homeless. Too many die every day, we really just want this. Freedom.